Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with all of you uh, online and uh, at both of our campuses, Lakeville and Shakopee. Uh, my name is Ryan Alexander, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor at Hosanna, and it's also a privilege to be coming live from Shakopee this morning. Um, and I need to tell all of you out in, in Lakeville, it's a good-looking bunch out here in Shakopee, and uh, just don't take my word for it, though. Come on out and uh, check it out sometime. Uh, I want to say happy Thanksgiving, early Thanksgiving to all of you. I'm so thankful for you and thankful for this church. Right now, I invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. And as they do, I want to share a letter with you. Can I do that? All right. I'm going to share a letter with you. It comes from someone in our church. Uh, His name is Hunter, and he's 10 years old. Okay. Dear Hosanna, hello, my name is Hunter. I'm 10 years old. I really like going to Hosanna because, he gives five reasons, all right? Because, one, you have great pastors. I like Hunter, all right? Number two, I like Halo, all right? That's our Wednesday night children's program. Uh, Number three, Pastor Ryan is funny. Sometimes, he says, okay? Thanks, Hunter. Uh, Four, everyone is really kind, in all caps, really kind. And the fifth reason, it's close by. And then he says, I like to bring donations to church. It makes me feel good to know I am multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus just by bringing a dollar. <laughs> it's not just me that likes going to Hosanna. Our whole family thinks it's a great church and loves to go there every Sunday. Thank you for being an amazing church. Sincerely, Hunter. <laughs> All right, thank you, Hunter. He gets it, doesn't he? He gets the vision, multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. That is his God-sized vision that that we have at Hosanna. And and Hunter gets it, that when you give to Hosanna, you give to the local church, you're giving to a vision that God has for that church. And that vision is here is to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus, which means real lives are being impacted. So when you give, you're not just giving to an organization, you're giving to transformation. Real lives are changed when we give and when we grow in giving. Starting with, you know whose life has changed the most when we grow in giving? Ours, yours. Amen? Amen. We're in a series called Reforming. Reforming. And it's the fourth and final week of this series, which actually makes me kind of sad because I've liked this series. I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time. Um, but, but this is, all good things must come to an end, and so this is the fourth and final week. Last week, we talked about what it means to be a reforming church, a reforming church, what it looks like to be a reforming church in the 21st century. Uh, the Reformation took place 500 years ago. We're, we're celebrating the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, but we're still reforming as a church today, still becoming the church that God created the church to be, intended the church to be. Uh, and the church has been reforming for 500 years, and he ain't done yet. <laughs> he ain't done yet. Uh, but this church, Hosanna, has been reforming for 37 years. Did you know this last Thursday was Hosanna's 37th birthday? Isn't that cool? 37th birthday. I think we can praise God for his faithfulness. I'm grateful for uh, Pastor Bill Boleyn knocking on doors 37 years ago and, and those early pioneers that got this whole thing started. And we're to keep it going and keep being a reforming church together. I said this last week, and if you didn't hear the message, I really encourage you to go back and check it out because I think it's, it's an important message for us to, to let it sink in and shape us as we, as we keep going into the 21st century as a church. Uh, but, but I said last week that a reforming church is filled with people who are reforming, that each person in a reforming church is reforming, that all parts are, are playing their parts 
Martin Luther, the, the reformer, the original reformer, referred to this as the priesthood of all believers. Right? It's not just the pastor and some musicians that, that are supposed to be doing ministry. It's all parts of the body. All people are playing their part. And they're all reforming, becoming more and more like the people that God created them to be. And, and so then, of course, you're asking the question, what does a reforming life look like? Right? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it starts, a reforming life starts with knowing and experiencing the deep love that God has for each and every one of us, each and every one of you in Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. A reforming life, we read this in Ephesians 3 last week, starts with experiencing the love of God that is so great we can't even describe it. It's indescribable. And and yet it's possible for us to experience it. And the more we experience that love, the more our life is reformed from the inside out. That's where it starts. And then a reforming life requires these two foundational elements of grace and faith. Remember this from earlier on in the series if you were with us. Grace and faith. Kind of like hydrogen and oxygen come together to form a pretty powerful substance, water. Grace and faith come together to form a powerful spiritual substance in our lives that makes all things possible. It makes a reforming life possible. Paul in Ephesians talks about this. And we, we read these verses at the first week of the series, but I want to read them again because they're really just, just foundational for us. Not only in this series, but in our Christians, Christian lives. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Apostle Paul writes, God saved you by his grace when you believed or through faith. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Catch that? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. The first Reformation 500 years ago was all about people getting back to this basic foundational truth that we can't earn our salvation, we can't achieve our salvation, we can only receive God's free gift of grace. You can only receive it. What do you mean I can't do anything? You can only receive this free gift of grace. And faith or trust is another way to to, uh, translate that word, is our way of receiving that grace or that free gift. Please hear this. Don't go any further than this if you haven't, if you haven't you know, received this truth that our salvation, rightness with God, righteousness cannot be earned by our good works. It can only be received and given to us by God and Jesus Christ. We got this? So important. So then once we get that, that we're saved by grace through faith, then, then do, do we just sit around and do nothing and eat bonbons and, you know, Watch the sunset. What are bonbons anyway? I don't know. No. We're not saved to just say, maybe once in a while. But that, that's not what we're saying. Here's verse 10 then. This is, we keep going in Ephesians. Verse 10, right after those verses, says, for we are God's masterpiece. Let that sink in. In fact, do more than let it sink in. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are God's masterpiece. But I didn't, create an awkward moment among strangers there. Anyway, <laughs> might go somewhere. Who knows? Anyway, okay. Then, and then he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we are saved by grace through faith to, to actually step into this life, this reforming life that God intended for us long, long ago, that he prepared these good things, good works that he intended for us to do that he had in mind long before you were born for you to do on this earth, to be everything and do everything that God created you to be 
and do. It's almost like, you know, we're, we're not saved by our, our works. We're saved by grace. But once we know that, once we know how free we are in, in Christ, it's like, then we can get to work. Then we can start living this life that God put us on this planet to live. And why we're here in the first place. Again, not out of obligation or guilt or always feeling like we're never measuring up because in Jesus Christ, you measure up. You are, his grace is sufficient for you. Right? But, but once we know that, then we can start really living in freedom and stepping into this life that God intended for us to live all along. In fact, long before we were even born, he had it in mind for us to live this life, a reforming life. And we still need his grace in this, Right? See, grace isn't just to, to save. Grace is to live. It's, 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 a, it's a force that, that makes it possible for us, grace and faith coming together for us to live and do and become everything that he created us to be that we could never do or be on our own. Grace does that as well. I, I've been saying throughout this series that there are really two options in life. Let's just make it simple. Sometimes it's nice to make it simple, isn't it? We can either live a life that is reforming or conforming, reforming or conforming, reforming, becoming more and more like the person you were created to be, more and more like Christ is another way that the Bible defines it, or we can live a conforming life, a life that is conforming or complying or compromising to the ways of the world around us, to, to beliefs and behaviors that take us away from this reforming life that God intended for us to live, but it's so hard, isn't it? We live in a world where there are forces all around us. And, and even within us, we've talked about the sin nature that we have as human beings. These forces around us and within us that are trying to, trying to force us, trying to coerce us, trying to get us to live a life that is conforming, that is typical, that is average, that is normal, that is conforming to the norm. There's so many forces all around us and within us. Conform, conform. And yet, there's, 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 there's a longing deep within us to be more than the norm. There's a longing deep within us to, to live a life that is far from typical or average or normal. There's a longing deep within us to live a reforming kind of life, to stand out, to be different to be different. I was thinking about this the other day when I was uh, having lunch in Minneapolis with a friend and, and our, our waitress, she could have been like the poster child for Minnesotan of Scandinavian descent, all right? You got a picture in your mind already? Uh, and, and she, even her, even her, you know, her accent, how's it going, you know? I've got a boat, you know? You don't know, you, people talk like that around here. Okay, and, and she could have been the poster child and, and just looked like, you know, that Minnesota girl, Scandinavian descent, except for she had tattoos on her arms. And, and, and hear me, I'm not anti-tattoo, okay? I, probably, I personally wouldn't get them, but I'm not anti-tattoo. But I, I just had this thought as I was thinking about it that it's like, oh, she wants to stand out. She doesn't want to look like just everyone else around her, right? And those tattoos, and they weren't of Lefsa and, you know, Lutefisk, right? <laughs> I don't know what they were exactly, but they were like stamped on her like, I don't want to conform, I don't want to look like everybody else around me, see? People do this in all kinds of ways, don't they? 
dye their hair, wear green shirts. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, maybe put bumper stickers on their car. They, they cheer for sports teams, different football teams and Vikings territory, you know, other than the Vikings. You know, all kinds of things that people do to stand out. And sometimes people worry about those who are like nonconformists and, you know, living on these alternatives to tattoo people. You know, I worry about that. I'm less concerned about those people. And I'm more concerned because at some level, they're still trying. They're still grasping, maybe misguided, maybe not coming to quite the right, right conclusions all the time, but trying, still trying to be different. The people I'm really concerned about, the people that I am deathly afraid of becoming, are the people that have stopped caring. The people who have stopped asking. The people who have stopped even noticing that they are totally conforming to the world around them. That, that's, those are the people, those are the people I'm scared to death to become. Just like everybody else around us. And there's a pattern to this. There's a pattern to this conforming life. Paul, God's word, kind of points out this pattern. It's helpful to know the pattern. Once you know the pattern, then you can start identifying it in, our, in your own life and you can start doing something about it with God's help, his grace. But there's a pattern, it's very, very predictable. And the pattern, and we'll see this in, in Ephesians in just a little bit, three words, okay? They all start with D. This is helpful for pastors and for you, okay? Three words of a, of a, of a conforming life are deception, darkness, and drunkenness. I know that last one, you're thinking, okay, here we go. Pastor's gonna give a message about how Christians should abstain from alcohol completely, and that would be so hypocritical of me, okay? Because we are a church of the Reformation, comes out of Germany. Uh, they drink beer like it's water over there. Martin Luther, okay, Martin Luther uh, had a wife named Katie Luther, and she was known for brewing the best beer in Wittenberg, okay? So we are not anti-drinking <laughs> at all, all right? Um, obviously, being of age and all of that stuff, and if you have problems with it, you shouldn't, but, but just in moderation, no. You'll never hear a message here like you shouldn't drink. That's not even biblical. <laughs> but there's a broader application to that word drunkenness uh, that, that I want to go into, and you'll see it in just a little bit. So there, there are these three words, deception, darkness, and drunkenness. And it's, it's the pattern of a conforming life. It's every, every one of us are, are susceptible to it. Every single one of us, including me. And we'll see each of these words in Ephesians 4 and 5. And, and then, then there's another word that follows each of those words. It's the same word. It's a word that I, I want to describe my life more and more as I think of it. It's a word that I want as pastor to describe your lives, that I want to describe our church. And the word is, you ready for it? The word is instead. Instead. A conforming life looks like this. Everybody else, this is it. But instead, instead, we live a reforming life. So let's look at this pattern of conforming and then the alternative, the instead, the reforming life opportunity that we have. So here Ephesians 4 verse 21 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful, old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. There's the first one, deception. Deception. I mean, we, we are surrounded by voices and influences and things that, that cause us to be deceived. I'm just speaking the truth in love. Paul says that earlier. You speak the truth in love. I'm speaking the truth in love. Most of the time, we don't even know it. 
You know, the blatant deceptions, the blatant deceptions, I'm not too, you know, worried about, like, throw your life away with gambling or whatever. I mean, we see those, right? We see those. We see those blatant. But the, the ones that I, I'm really interested in, in, in pressing into a little bit are those ones, Paul talks about it earlier in Ephesians. He says that there are those lies that are so clever, they sound like the truth. There are those Deceptions that are so, they sound so good, they sound so appealing, they sound so right that they sound like the truth, but they are not the truth. Those are the ones I want to know. Those are the ones as a pastor I want to help us identify. What are those deceptions that, that, that we're being bombarded with? Yeah, I wrestled with this. Okay, God, how do you illustrate this? How do you describe this? And, and I went through a number of iterations of this part of the message, and, and then he, he, he pointed me to just the right way to illustrate this, and it's this, pottery barn. <laughs> now, don't tell Jen I have this catalog, because as soon as it comes in the mail, I hide it, okay? <laughs> and and, I, and I, don't want you, I don't want you thinking, oh, what does he have against pottery barn? Not anything but pottery barn. Some of you are thinking that. I know, okay? I'm not against Pottery barn altogether. Um, we have, I think we have a pottery barn table. I'd be the last person to know, but I think we have one. Um, but, but here's the point. You look through this and you think, oh, wow, that's cute. That's comfortable. That's, that's trendy. Yeah. It's color-coordinated. And we start getting drawn into a deception, a lie that sounds so clever, it, it sounds like the truth. And it's not... The, the deception is not that you would buy something from Pottery Barn. Okay, that's all right. I'm not anti-Pottery Barn any more than I'm, you know, not anti-tattoo, okay? But the lie is, not that we buy something here, but we start to buy the lie that this is life. That life is, oh, making my life a little more comfortable. <laughs> making my life just a little bit more coordinated and trendy. That's, that's the lie. The deception. And it could happen in lots of different ways. This is just one example that came to mind. And when we start to believe that lie, that that's life, that that is the ultimate aim of life, it is the beginning of the end. It is the beginning of the end. It's a slippery slope toward, toward a conforming life. But we have an alternative here. Look at this. Verse 23. Instead. Everyone say Instead. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there's all this deception out here, some that sounds so good that it even seems like it's the truth, but instead, be renewed, be made new. Put on a new nature, have new attitudes, new thoughts, new perspectives on life. See See the, the life that God created for you to live. Be renewed. Put on a new nature even. Right? This sinful nature that we are to throw off. Put on a new one. And what is that nature like? We just read it. That new nature that we're supposed to put on is like God. Our nature is like God. Well, if we start to think that way, knowing that, that we are children of God. In Jesus Christ, we become children of God. And isn't it true, and, and sometimes we, we go, oh, I wish it weren't true, but, but children start to take on the habits and the, 
you know, the behaviors and the idiosyncrasies of their parents. Isn't that true? <laughs> and sometimes we go, oh man, there's myself talking to me like that, right? We do the same with God, our Heavenly Father. We start to take on His nature. And, and then the deception just really gets amplified because, you know, if we have God's nature, Pottery Barn just isn't going to cut it. <laughs> I mean, if God's like, you know, that's cool and get some stuff and make your life, you know, cuter. But, but pottery, I mean, I made humans out of clay, God, God says, right? I made barns. I made the animals that go in those barns, right? This doesn't satisfy God's nature, the nature that is in us. There is something so much more. That song we were singing, singing earlier, A Mighty Fortress, Martin Luther wrote that song. He took a bar tune, right? And, and he put words to it, sacred words to it, and, and let good and kindred go. This mortal life also. That's a renewed life where goods and even kindred and even our mortal lives that we try to make more comfortable and cozy and coordinated, that, all that stuff pales in comparison to the life that, that God has for us that is being renewed day after day after day in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. That's the life that God wants for you. And the deception gets thick, too, even in the church. There's deception in the church. There, here's, here's some deception that happens in the church, that Christianity is about morality. That Christianity is about morality. Okay, now, don't hear me saying what I'm not saying here. There is a point in time to think about morality, but, but, but ultimately, Christianity is not about us just being more and more moral. It's not. That's getting back to the 500 years ago where you earn your salvation, you earn your righteousness with God. It's about grace. But the other part of it is morality for morality's sake. You know what that is? Vanity. Vanity. Because if we're just living morality for morality's sake, we're just trying to make ourselves look better. We're trying to make our lives look better, and and it actually just becomes like a a, a pottery barn spirituality. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to look better. And what we find is that when, when issues of morality are talked about in Ephesians, Paul, Paul, every single time, and there are issues of morality like sexual morality and anger issues and greed and, and how we talk to others. And every, on every, every case on the other side of it is not so we can make ourselves look better. It's so that other, others' lives can be better. That we are living this not for our sake to, you know, look better and better, but for other people. That's a renewed mindset, a new nature. See, this new nature that God gives us, it's not about acquiring and, and getting. It's about giving and blessing and, and becoming more and more like Christ. You want that nature? I do. So a conforming life, it, it starts with deception and then, it, and then it slips into darkness. It slips into darkness. Look at this, in, in verse, uh, chapter five, verse 11 says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Darkness. Slips into darkness of conforming life. Uh, last series we did was called Two Arms. Remember this series, if you were here, Two Arms. Jesus, God extends two arms through Jesus Christ to us. One, forgiveness. The other, freedom. Forgiveness from our guilt. Freedom from what? Shame. Shame, what does shame do? Causes us to hide, to retreat into the darkness, 
to go to those places where, where no one else knows, right? And you know what's in the darkness? Regrets, struggles that we have, fears, those feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy. It's in the dark. All that stuff loves to kind of linger and hide out, fester in the darkness where it can still have a grip on us and still hold us back and keep us conforming. <laughs> loves to hang out in the darkness. You know what else likes to hang out in the darkness? Raccoons. <laughs> you know this, all right? I was out running a couple months ago, and uh, I was out running by our lake, and, and when I started running, it was light out when I when I was about halfway done, the, the dusk started to set in, and I came around this corner, and tss, is that the sound raccoons make? I don't know. It came out of the bushes. And you should have seen me. I, you should have seen me. I, like, dove on them and skinned them and made a hat out of them. Actually, what I did think is next time I'm going to run with a big dog or someone who's slower than me. Anyway, no, there's, there's something to this, right? Next time, I'm going to run with plenty of daylight left. Because <laughs> coons, raccoons, they can't hang in the light. They can't hang with the light. And neither can all that other stuff that I was talking about earlier. The fears and the regrets and the, the, you know, the struggles that we have can't hang in the light. There's an alternative to the darkness and, and the conforming life that that brings. Paul says, again, going on in, in verse 11 here, instead, say it again with me, Instead, expose them. Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. The light makes everything visible. Well, duh. <laughs> but but this, see, this is such a good thing. When, when, the, when the coons of our lives come out of the, the raccoons come out of the darkness and, and are exposed to the light of Jesus Christ, Everything changes. Everything changes when our lives are exposed to the light. When, when stuff's in the darkness, it can, it can still fester and snarl and hiss and hold us back, keep us conforming. But when it's in the light, the light of Christ, it starts to lose its power. This is a pastoral moment. I, can, I just want to take a pastoral moment. If, if someone were to to ask me, or if God were to ask me, even better, what's, what's one wish you would have for everyone in your congregation? I know that it works like this, but if he, if he did, what's one wish? Here's what my response would be. I'm pretty sure of it. My response would be that people would stop hiding. That people would stop hiding the stuff that is holding them back. Stop keeping that stuff in the darkness that is you know, still snarling and holding on and gripping and keeping them in a conforming life because as long as that stuff's in the darkness, we will never be able to emerge as these reforming people that God created us to be. That's my heart. That people would know, that they'd know, that you would know that the temporary discomfort and pain that comes with sharing stuff that's in the darkness of our lives pales in comparison to the freedom that we have when you have nothing to hide. When you have nothing to hide. I want that for every one of you. About a year ago, anxiety reared its ugly head in my life again. Things were getting stressful. 
And I was like, I thought I had worked on all that, but I guess there's more. And someone gave me this phrase a couple of times, actually, and I knew it was from God because a couple of people, different people said the same thing. They said, leaves no stone unturned. Leave no stone unturned in pursuing that which causes you to have anxiety in your life. Oh, man, and I, I did. I went after it. And when you turn storms, stones over, what's underneath the stones in the darkness is exposed to the what? The light. I'm so glad. Man, I, there's so much freedom in having nothing to hide and living in the light. Bring it in the light. Not all at once and not to everybody. People you can trust a little bit at a time. Pastors, maybe prayer ministers, counselors. Bring it in the light. So a conforming life. It starts with deception. It slips into the darkness. And eventually, it becomes drunkenness. All right? Verse 17, chapter 5. Don't act thoughtlessly. I think this is connected to what we're going to talk about here in a bit. Don't act thoughtlessly or numbly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. I've already, I've already said it, okay? This, this is not to suggest that Christians should never consume any alcohol, right? Um, that's, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, the original language there is don't drink in excess. Don't, don't drink in such a way that it starts to ruin your life. This is about a lifestyle. Where you, you know, you're stepping from one drunken stupor to the next. But, but isn't it true that people can get intoxicated in all kinds of ways that don't involve alcohol? Don't even in, involve any chemical substance. Isn't it true? I mean, people can get intoxicated by power and success and the pursuit of a pottery barn kind of life. People can get intoxicated with you know, approval from getting approval from others, from being critical and, and negative. People can get intoxicated, all kinds of things. Anything in life can become a source of intoxication. What is it? Numbness. Being numb. We numb ourselves with screens and sexual addictions and sports. Sports is my, you know, numbing agent of choice oftentimes. We numb ourselves. But hear this. God did not create us to be numb. He didn't create us to walk through life thoughtlessly or like we're sleepwalking or, you know, that, that somehow we're, we're, al- we're alive but we're dead. He created us to be alive. He created us to be alert. He created us to, to have life after life after life. It means he created you for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's the alternative here, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hear this. Instead, say it again, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. I mean, just be flooded. Be flooded with the Holy Spirit. An all-out assault of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because that's what it takes to overcome those forces that are trying to get us to conform, those forces inside of us that, that are so inclined to just conform to the average, typical, normal life, to conform to the norm. It takes a flooding of the Holy Spirit. Quick story here. Our family's been dealing with that cold that just won't ever die. You know what I'm talking about? Except for me. I, I, after two months of our family getting colds, I said, you know, everyone else has been sick but me. Maybe everyone else should take their vitamins and wash their hands more. You know what happened the next day? 
I got sick, and then, and then I went for the, for the, the coldies and the vitis, vitamin C and the Vita water and the echinacea, and I just put you know, everything off the shelf. And I, my cold went away. I got a horrible stomach ache from all that stuff. But anyway, I, my cold went away. It was an all-out assault on that cold. That's what our lives need. That's what we need, an all-out assault of the Holy Spirit just flooding our lives. You know, that being filled, you know what else it means? It means to be fulfilled. All the ways that we can intoxicate ourselves and numb ourselves, they don't fulfill us. We know that. We keep going back to them, but they don't fulfill us. They don't. They're empty. It's like a bottomless pit, bucket with a hole. But the Holy Spirit, God's presence, fills us over and over again with his love and his grace and his truth. It's truth. We really got two, we got two options, right? A life that is reforming, a life that is conforming. And God wants us to live a life that is reforming. I told you earlier that a church that is reforming is filled with people who are reforming. So I guess that makes it kind of easy for you if this is your church home. You only have one choice. And that is to be a person who is reforming a person who is becoming in God's grace and his love and his unmerited grace and mercy and love. Stepping more and more into that life, that reforming life that God created each and every one of you to live. A life that is being renewed. A life that is being exposed to the light of Jesus Christ. Got nothing to hide. A life that, that is more and more being filled with his grace, his love. And that love just continues to sink deeper and deeper and deeper into the soil of our lives. And you know what happens then? What springs out of the soil of our lives when his love is sinking deeper and deeper? A reforming life. A life that is becoming the very person that you were put on this planet to be. Nothing more, nothing less than that. That's a beautiful thing when people move from conforming to reforming. God wants to do beautiful things in your life. He wants to make beautiful things out of your life. He wants to do beautiful things through your life. And it's simply a matter of saying, yes, Lord, more, more of your spirit. Flood my life with your spirit. And we're gonna sing about those beautiful things that God wants to do through us as a reforming church and reforming people. But before that, I wanna pray for you. Would you let me pray for you? God, thank you that your love does. Your irresistible, unmatchable, unstoppable love can be experienced at a deeper and deeper level. Continue, Lord, to sink your roots deeper and deeper into our lives that we may begin to fathom how deep and how wide and how long your love is for us that we might not settle for a conforming life, a typical, average, normal, conform to the norm kind of life, that we would recognize that we were created to take, not to conform to the norm, but to take this world by storm. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, you can do beautiful things by your grace and your truth and faith 
And so it's in faith that we sing now about the beautiful things that you want to do. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's sing.